Hey, this is Dave Coriel, president of Delcor, and today I'm having one of my least favorite guests on. That's right, it's me. You've got me coming at you solo because I got worked up the other day about business requirements and I feel like I have something to say. So I'm gonna be quick, I'm gonna be to the point as much as I can anyway, and then I hope you take something from this that you can use in your organization. Welcome to Reboot IT, brought to you by Delcor. We're bringing you the latest in association and nonprofit technology. And now your host, a guy who tries not to sweat the small stuff, Delcor President Dave Coriel. I'm going to try to keep this short because you only have me coming at you. So I'm going to try to keep it short, but I feel like this is worth visiting and talking through. As some of you know, I teach a requirements course in a graduate program at Georgetown, and the requirements course is really focused on making sure that no matter what stakeholder group you're in, in a project, you know and understand the requirements process and where it's going right and where it's going wrong. But one of the most fundamental things that we talk about is what requirements are, what are sources of requirements and what are different requirements that you have to uncover during any technology-driven project. So that's really what I wanted to talk to today because I feel like organizations have a hard time understanding not only the importance of unearthing all of their different requirements, but really understanding what the different types of requirements are that are involved in any project. So this podcast is for you, whether you're the executive sponsor, a developer, a project manager, a business analyst, an end user, a tester, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to really understand the different types of requirements that are out there and what your role in the requirements process might be. However, really the the biggest thing um, that made me want to talk about this was I feel like organizations are struggling with understanding the root of all requirements, which, which would be business requirements. So I'm going to start there. What are business requirements? Sometimes I find organizations confuse business requirements with the requirements of being in business. What do I mean by that? Well, it's required that your revenue exceeds your expenses if you're going to be in business. It's required that you have the appropriate tax documentation filed each year if you're going to be in business. It's required that if you're going to have a product or service, that you understand how you're measuring the, either the profitability of it or that you're that you're operating this product or service at a loss because it fits your mission or your business objective or leads to a net positive gain in some other way. However, that's different than what business requirements are when we talk about them from a systems perspective. Business requirements answer the question of why is the business or organization implementing the system? It's not the same thing as saying we're putting this in, we're putting this system in so that we can so we can collect revenue, right? That That's a function of what the system will do, but that's not why you're putting it in. No one's putting in a learning management system simply to correct revenue. No one's putting in a content management system simply to store content, right? There's, there's root requirements. Why is the business doing it? And I think the best way to understand it is to go through examples. For example, the content management system. If an organization is putting in a content management system, it's not just to manage content that shows up on the website. They have a root reason or should be able to articulate a root reason for implementing the content management system. For example, to ensure that all the knowledge that they've created is accessible to whoever the target audience is, or to make sure that they're surfacing the organization's value proposition through digital publishing. These are root business requirements for something like a content management system. Another example, take a community platform. 
one of the business requirements might be that answers the question again, why is the business implementing this community platform is to allow the community to collaborate and work in ways that result in new knowledge being created that wouldn't have been created or possible without the platform. That's an answer to the question of why the business is implementing a community platform. In the class, I use the example, I've been using it for years. It turned out maybe a student developed it, I don't know, but this was before there was um, any type of Uber for dog walkers available. I've been using this example for a really long time. I used to call it, or still do call it, Fido Rover. And it's a dog walking platform that matches people who have dogs that need to be walked with people who walk dogs. And when I talk to the class about why or what the business requirements might be for that system, it's not about the functionality of the system. It's not about making money or selling ads. It's not about producing product or services or pushing products and services and, and having business relationships with PetSmart and Chewy or whoever else. The reason that you might implement something like Fido Rober, some Uber for dog walkers, so to speak, is to employ the underemployed, right? One of the business requirements might be we want to employ the underemployed workforce, or it might be we're really focused on improving dogs' health. We want the canine community to be healthier, so by creating a platform that makes walking dogs easier, we're improving the dog community's or the dog's health. Similar, we might want to improve the profession's safety, right? We might want to take what's currently a very distributed cottage industry, little, not regulatory oversight, that's not what I'm talking about, but, but little checks and balances between dog walkers and dog owners an understanding of, of, of who each other could be. And we might want to implement a product just like Uber has for the drivers, right? With background checks and so on. We might want to improve safety for the profession as well as, as the safety of the dog owners. Those are business requirements. That's why we're implementing the system. And the reason it's so critical that organizations can articulate their business requirements is because everything flows from them. It's the first step of making sure that when we talk about what the system will do for the users or how it will deliver value to its stakeholders, it's the first step of containing the scope of the system. Take, for example, the dog walker platform. If some of the functionality started being developed such that it would allow, if those were the three business requirements, you know, employing the underemployed, improving dog's health, and improving safety for professionals, if the group that's developing this product, the, the Fido Rover, started talking about adding functionality, or if a focus group said, hey, it would be great is if we had some functionality in here that allowed us to submit our dog's profile and our application and pictures to a dog show, some pedigree dog show, et cetera, the, the, the business objectives, the business requirements rather, of employing the underemployed, improving dog's health, and improving the profession's safety would immediately say that's not within scope of what we're trying to accomplish with this with this app. It's the it's, what I'm saying is it's the first cut at making sure what you're doing, what the large scale features and functions of the system are, fit within what the business is trying to accomplish. So, how does this affect me, right? And like I said in the beginning, whether you're the executive sponsor, developer, project owner, you know, business analyst, project manager, etc., this is a critical point of making sure that you know again, the scope of the system that we're implementing and how you're going to eventually measure success of the system, whether or not you're meeting those business requirements. So 
My point is, if you're working on an implementation, a selection, if you're developing requirements for any IT-driven project, or probably any project out there, if you don't understand the business requirements, how are you going to ensure that you're delivering success to the stakeholder group, that you're delivering value to the stakeholder group, and that you're successful with them? And if you're the executive sponsor who is is, in, is championing this project forward, and you can't articulate why you need this system or why you think this system is of value to the organization, then you need to take a step back and be, and you need to be able to articulate that to the team. These are the highest level requirements you need to be able to ensure that the team understands why they're working on this project. And if you're on the other side, if you're not the executive sponsor, but you're the business analyst or you're an end user and you're developing requirements or providing requirements and you don't understand why the organization's doing it, you're in the same boat. You don't know whether or not you're going to be successful. You don't know what value the system will deliver beyond maybe making a process automated and easier to complete. But that's that's different than why the organization is really implementing the system. So I challenge all of you to make sure that in your project charters, in your initial discussions about any IT-driven system, that the business requirements are clear and they're front and center and they're understood and discussed by the team. It's not easy. It's it's so much easier to talk about, we need a new CRM, we need a new LMS, we need a new AMS, we need a new financial management system, and focus on what the functions of the system will be, then why you're implementing it. So have that conversation and make sure, and this goes back to no matter what stakeholder group you're part of, making sure you can put a a flag out there that says, hold on, we haven't answered the question of why we're implementing the system yet. And the answer shouldn't be because the existing system needs to be replaced or the existing system doesn't do these five functions for me. That's part of why you're doing it. But go beyond that and really talk about the business requirements the way I've described them here. Two other types of requirements I want to make sure you're really paying attention to. One is the user requirements, which is what the system will do for the users, you know, what it will do for them. These requirements are about the user and system interactions that have to take place. For example, the content management system that we talked about, it's allowing users to tag content using a taxonomy, using keywords. So that ultimately that content can be found easily, right? The classification system your organization uses, the taxonomy, is about allowing the individuals who are looking for the content to find it using that taxonomy. There are other uses of the taxonomy, but that's one of the most common, right? Using it in the search results and narrowing search results. Another user requirement for something like a content management system would be about putting content of different types through different workflows. So this might be a feature. Workflows would be a feature. It's a roll-up of a bunch of different types of functions within the system. The workflow feature might have user requirements that allow the user to say, this type of content needs to go through an approval process, and here's the workflow for doing it. That type of content over there can be posted directly with no workflow. So the difference being that that the, the feature is workflow the functionality is defined further by user requirements because they have a different process depending on what type of content it is. Again, these are user and system interactions, so these are user requirements. On something like the community platform, you may even have two types of users. You have internal users and external users. 
the internal users might have something about um, deleting or promoting content or posts from the community, somewhat of a, a moderating function that the internal user within the org has to have the ability to do. The external user requirement might be around the ability to create a profile. Again, that's probably more of a feature because the profile then gets broken down into individual requirements around what the profile contains. A picture, a name, a screen name, uh, contact info, whatever's appropriate for that system's community. If it's something that that includes a, a, the level of personal information that a profile can include. And, and things around whether or not those are required fields and which ones are things that need to be validated or not. Those are tied to the user requirements of creating a profile. So those are the things that we tend to talk about the most because they're the easiest to talk about and they're the ones that affect us, the users, most clearly. So again, the user requirements are part of the system that we talk about the most. And whether or not we are using declarative statements like in a waterfall process where we're writing really formal requirement statements, you know, the system shall allow editors to delete a post right? Or if we're using more user story oriented, agile oriented requirements documentation, as an editor, I want to be able to delete a post so that I can make sure that inappropriate content is removed from the community. That's more of a user story, agile friendly way of stating the requirements. So it doesn't matter which format you're writing requirements in. What matters is that you're paying attention to the user requirements and ensuring that you've developed them to the point of detailed specification that's needed for your particular project and mileage is going to vary on how much specification is needed for a project. But the point is that user requirements are, are probably the easiest for us to deal with since the users are there. We understand what their business process is. We understand what the business rules are and user requirements can be developed. Then the last type of requirement I want to talk about is the non-functional requirements. And these are all the things that go on in the back end and, and how the system will deliver on its functionality. These are the requirements that are too often overlooked and aren't explored far enough until system implementation has begun. So these are things like security, data architecture, integration with other systems, system design, user experience, performance, scalability, reliability, all the a lot of abilities, abilities, are, are part of the non-functional requirements. And, and really what you have to think about there is when we're defining the system, we often focus on what the users need. Hopefully we'll focus more or you're focused also on what the business requirements are. But somebody needs to make sure that uh, all the different non-functional requirements are being addressed as well. And let me tie these together for you. A user requirement is to log into the system, to be authenticated and, and have great gain access to the system. We all do it, username and password, bio, like your fingerprint on the, the on my Mac, right? It, it allows me to get into the system, different ways of doing the same thing. In this case, when I'm talking about authentication and logging in, let's take the traditional username and password. There's the user function of, of the system allowing to you to put a username in, allowing you to put a password in and submitting it for authentication. There are 
variances of that, for example, the little eyeball that sometimes is in the password field, that's a decision the business, the organization makes as to whether or not we're going to allow or want or need the users to be able to see their password as they type it. That's a decision that provides additional functionality. There's also the decision, and it's a pretty common one, and I would suggest you make the decision, yes, in this case, of allowing users to recover their password or recover their username as part of the authentication process, right? However, those are functions. Those are, those are user requirements. The user's logging in. The user needs to be able to see their password. They need to be able to execute a password recovery during that process if they've forgotten it. But what about the security? What are the requirements around the password? Can you put in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Can you use a standard English word or a standard word in, in another language? Or does it have to be complicated? Does it have to be 24 characters? And does it have to have alphanumeric, non-alphanumeric, um, you know, special characters that you're including, excluding, et cetera? Is there a security standard that your password is adhering to within the organization? Is multiple factor authentication required from a security perspective? All of those security, the simple, the very simple feeling of, of we're just talking about logging in becomes complex when we start talking about all the additional pieces that go along with that one function within the system. The same thing with integration. For example, if you're using multi-factor authentication, what multi-factor authentication add-ins do you support? Duo, Google Authenticator, et cetera. That's a business decision that needs to be made, a business rule that needs to be followed by the users of using the MFA that is supported by the system. Where sometimes it gets a little muddier in the non-functional requirements are around things like user experience or design. Design tends to be a little easier because most organizations have a style guide. They'll have particular colors that have to be adhered to fonts, ways that their corporate uh, branding, their their association logo can be used, etc. So the design tends to be a little bit more um, easier. It tends to be easier for the team to understand and implement because there are guidelines there. Something like user experience, on the other hand, is a little bit more of an art than it is a guide that's going to come from uh, someone like the branding, whoever owns branding, the marketing and communications team, etc., so user experience is something that still generates requirements. However, this is an area where it's really easy to slip into using terms that aren't very specific or measurable, like the system has to be user-friendly or the system has to um, you know, allow users to get to content quickly. Those really, those user experience statements don't really stack up in a, in a system requirements project because you can't agree on what those mean. So you have to get more specific about what the user experience will be. A really common one, and I don't agree with it, for example, is on a uh, design, the user experience on an online platform like a website is everything has to be within three clicks. That's what they're shooting for. That use, that's, that's part of what you're, just, you're, you're writing as a requirement for the user experience but it's measurable, it's testable. Can I get to everything within three clicks? That's really not the same thing as, 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 as delivering value, so don't confuse the two. Things like performance, scalability, reliability, those are really important and, and sometimes are overlooked. 
in terms of if you're doing an online application process, if you're doing a call for proposals and, and you're having thousands of, of individuals or hundreds of thousands of individuals submit an application or a proposal for doing a session at a really large conference, the system has to be able to handle that capacity in the last 15 minutes of the submission deadline, because you know that's historically when you've gotten 80% of your proposals, uh, submissions. So making sure that the scalability of the system is there. There is story after story in the public domain and the association nonprofit domain that have been in the front page of the New York Times where something hasn't scaled to the level needed to allow users to complete the function they needed to complete because even though it was a three-month window, it all really happened in the last three days. So making sure that you understand what the scalability requirements are, what the performance requirements are, what the reliability requirements are, uptime, et cetera, you know, four nines, the system has to be up 99.99% of the time, or five nines, 99.999% of the time. Those are reliability requirements about the system's accessibility, or not accessibility, but really reliability. So making sure that those are realistic and stated as part of your requirements document will just help you make sure that your system addresses what it needs to address. So I'm going to stop there. I feel like I've gone on too long and I've gotten away from the main point I wanted to make, which is about back at the beginning, the business requirements. I'm going to say it one more time. If your leadership or your, it doesn't have to be leadership, if your product or project owner can't answer the question of why the business is implementing the system as it relates to some of the examples I gave, As a, it, it's important that you try to do that with them to make sure you contain the scope of the system, that you understand how you can start building success factors and what success will look like, and that the whole team is on target for why the system is being developed or being implemented to begin with. So I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, requirements, I'm always happy to talk about them. I'm happy to talk about different types, how to document them, um, sources of them, business strategies for them, uh, you know, understanding business rules and regulatory requirements and so on. So always feel free to get in touch with me. Or if you have something to say, feel free to let me know. I'd happy to be really happy to have you on as a guest to talk about requirements anytime. So thanks so much for listening. Well, that's it. That's all I had to say about requirements. I hope you took something away from that. But most importantly, I hope that you can bring this to some folks in your organization and make sure that you're addressing these different types of requirements in any requirements reliant or driven project, which they all are, by the way. And just may, and it doesn't have to be Herculean, but you do have to make sure that you go through the process of addressing all these requirements types. So I've included in the show notes a cheat sheet that you can use to make sure you're checking off that you're addressing all these requirements. And like I said, if you want to talk about this, please get in touch. I'd be happy to chat with anyone about requirements anytime. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Reboot IT. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory and leave us a five-star review while you're there. You can reach us through the Delcor website and keep up with Dave and the rest of the Delcorians by following the Delcor social media channels. See you next time.